Amen. Hey, once again, we are in our study. That's right. World religions, cults, and the occult. Joanna, what is it? Number 14. It only took you two us, but you got it done. That's right. Witchcraft and the rise of Wicca. That's a pretty good start. I tell you what, right out of the gates. And that's what our study is at. And by way of recap, we've been taking a look at different things. Certainly the bare bones definition. Don't let anybody tell you that Wicca is not witchcraft. That's what, hello, the word actually means. Witchcraft is crazy. And uh, we're just getting started. But then we took a look at the types, the location, the protection. And for the last, I think, seven times, who's counting? I am. Uh, we have been in the history of witchcraft. And man, is it all over the world or what? I mean, just crazy, right? We've already seen that, of course, where did it start? After the flood, you were, uh, God hit a restart button on humanity, and he judged the planet because of the wickedness that was going on in the pre-flood days. So what happened? Well, he, he did it again. He, uh, they, they got off. There was only eight people that survived, Noah and his family, and they began to populate the earth, but they, they rebelled against him, the Tower of Babel. And uh, they started to repopulate, but they rebelled against God. And they weren't just rebelling against him, building a tower, refusing to do what he said to do, go out there and cover the earth again, repopulate the planet. But they were involved, as we saw, in witchcraft and heavy-duty occult practices. Okay, it started at Babylon. So then when God confused the languages and forced them to disperse, guess what they took with them across the planet? Witchcraft. And we're going to see that again tonight in a big way. But it started with Babylon, and then we saw it went to Egypt, then Greece, then Rome, then Asia, India, and the island countries. And last time if you're here, we dealt with the aspect of Africa, African witchcraft, okay? And basically, as you saw with the unfortunate practices with the those involved in witchcraft and the occult in India, and with the human sacrifices, it's still going on today. Same thing that we saw, unfortunately, in Africa. They, there's all kinds of murderous behavior. And again, you'll wonder why the scripture says repeatedly in many places, Places, don't let the occult people involved in sorcery witchcraft spread throughout your country it will lead to murderous horrible rotten behavior and that's what we saw it's human sacrifice is still going on today not just in India and these island countries uh, it's going on in Africa in massive detail and we're not there yet but I truly believe and convinced it's even going on here today in the United States of America it's just we're not being told about it why because that's what happens when you get involved in witchcraft and the occult the media wants to downplay it and act like it's they want to just say it's, a, it's a, a fun thing and we're just worshiping nature no it's not it leads to this and if you let this spread in your country you're going down the tubes and unfortunately that's what's happening to our country we saw that though with human sacrifice in africa going on street vendors selling their witchcraft wares just in the street can you imagine that no more in a back alley they got them all over the place there as well there uh, why is it spreading there in africa so bad because they protect them they have protective laws just like we saw in india as well and of course they're looked upon as so-called medicine men they looked upon for divination uh rainmakers again as we're going to see a little bit tonight even with the aspect of the uh, North American Indian culture, the shamans, which that was rampant in North America. And, uh, you know, the rain dance, nothing new under the sun. Okay, then they're looked upon as priests. They're also looked upon for sorcery. And, uh, of course, it's even so bad in Africa right now, they're wanting to legalize it to help with the doctor shortage crisis, if you can believe that. As we saw last week, it's crazy. Uh, and uh, they're turning to witches to, uh, to help with that. And, of course, what we saw, unfortunately, you're starting to see a pattern. African witchcraft, of course, has been promoted through uh, Disney. And we even quoted witches who admitted that. 
It wasn't just some unfortunate, you know, crazy Christian parallel. The witches admit that that's what it's promoting. And then, of course, it's being practiced here in America. There's a trend among millennials that they're going back to African witchcraft. Part of it's because of the media influence, but also because of the music, okay? And we ended up on something called Rugeria, Okay, and uh, we're going to get to that tonight as well. What's what's the going on with that? But that's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, deal with our next one. We're going to now hop the pond from Africa, and we're going to end up in Latin America. Now, I don't want to give it all away, but how many guys were kind of grossed out with India and the thuggies and the murdering people and going around and witchcraft in the name of color? That was pretty gross, right? And they're, and they're still sacrificing, killing kids and adults and whatever. And then last week, Africa. I mean, that was just, whew. Man, crazy, man. They're killing people. Remember they're hunting down the guys, the albinos, and they're on the run because they're literally chopping them up and selling them off. Remember that? That's sick. That's, gross. That's actually happening today. Wait till you see what in the world's going on in Latin America. And it's been going on for a long time. Okay, but that's the question. Okay, wait a second. Latin America, I, 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 we, so far we've kind of been dealing on this side of the hemisphere of the earth, right? And you got Babylon and they just kind of spread all over. Wait a second. How did they get across the pond? How did they get to the North and South America? I mean, if you listen to the live evolution, you know, and what uh, people are being brainwashed in school is this, hey, it wasn't until 1492 that Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Remember that song? Yeah, that is not only not biblical, it's completely wrong historical. Okay, so let's see, once again, the Bible always gets it right. Let's see how did witchcraft spread now off into the other continents? How'd they get over there? Okay. Uh, but open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10 is going to be our opening text. And of course, if you find the table of contents, what do you do? Hang a short right. You're there in the right one. If you find Revelation, what do you do? Close it, flip it over, start at the beginning. Right? Genesis chapter 10, verses 21 through 22. Of course, this uh, uh, is right before Genesis 11. That's right, Genesis 11. You guys are hooked on numbers. And Genesis 11 basically gives us the intimate detail of what's talked about in Genesis 10. Genesis 10 is what's called the table of the nations. It goes through the lineages of Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Okay? And uh, hey, you guys remember that old stove that we used to have here at Sunrise? Uh, for, for some of you guys been here for a while, that got replaced with the, the new industrial stoves, okay? And uh, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but that thing was not like old as the hills, but I couldn't wait for them to pull that thing out, and man, was that a huge task because I was convinced that on the back of it, we were gonna uh, see the initials of Ham, Shem, and Japheth carved on that because that was the stove that they used uh, after the on the ark, but I digress. But anyway, so the table of nations is after the flood, and how obviously all mankind came from what? Eight people who got off the ark. And so it gets the lineage of Ham, Shem, and Japheth and how they spread across the world. Then you get to Genesis 11 and it tells us a specific event that God had to cause the confusion of the languages to get them to obey him and spread across the world. You got it? So let's take a look at the account of God saying this is where and how the earth got repopulated uh, and that's it. Uh, chapter 10, verse 21, we're just dealing with the Semites. Uh, it says, the uh, sons were also born to Shem, whose older brother was Japheth. Shem was the ancestor of all the sons of Eber. The sons of Shem were this, Elam, Ashur, or Faxad, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram were Uz, Hul, Gether, and Meshach. Our Faxad was the father of Shelah, and Shelah was the father of Eber. Now, two sons were born to Eber. 
One's name was Pegleg, and he was a pirate. No, who, no, 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 you're reading too fast. It's Peleg, okay, Pe, it's, yeah, I know you were thinking that. Okay, Peleg, of course, in Hebrew means division or divided, okay, and that's why he was named that, because in uh, his time, the earth was what? Divided, spread apart. His brother's name was Jokten. Now, Jokten was the father of a whole bunch of kids here. Uh, Almadad, uh, Shelef, uh, Harzmiveth, Jera, Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimel, uh, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. And these were the sons of Jokten. Now listen, the region where they stretched, they lived, stretched from Misha towards Safar in the eastern hill country. These are the sons of Shem by their clans and languages and their territories and nations. Now, these are the clans of Noah's son, the whole chapter, according to their lines of descent within their nations. Now, quote, from these nations spread out over what? The earth. That's the whole planet, for those of you wondering. After the what? Flood. So once again, God says, yes, whether evolution wants to say, it's only recently that people have been, in, in human history, that people have been able to cross the pond. You know, like, well, the Spanish conquistadors and, and Columbus, and that's a lie. That's a huge giant lie. Okay, man, number one, was much more sophisticated than the lie of evolution. The lie of evolution says the further you go back in history, uh, that man was just eking out existence stuck in one place with his knuckles dragging on the ground going ooh, 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 around some fire. That's not what you find buried in the dirt. And it doesn't agree with the biblical account. So I'm going to give you a little teaser real quick to show you, once again, God always gets it right. And that man, in fact, was able to traverse back and forth in continents for a long time way before Christopher Columbus, exactly like Genesis 10 says. Now, if you want to get more of this, get our 42-week study. That's right, 42-week study, The Witness of Creation. And for those of you who've been here for a long time, remember going through that? Man, that was probably about six years ago. Fantastic, fun study that we did on Wednesday night, and we dealt with some of this information. But let's take a look of proof that man has been traversing the oceans for a long time which agree, agrees, again, with the biblical account. But let's take a look at, first of all, coins. Roman coins have been found in Venezuela. Where's that? South America. That's right, Pastor Tom, South America. Uh, also in Maine and uh, Texas, at the bottom of Indian Mount. What's Roman coins doing in any of those places? That's kind of strange. 1957, a boy found a coin in where? Alabama. And where was that from? Sicily, dating back to 490 B.C. How'd that get in Alabama? Right? In the summer of 1882, British Columbia found 30 Chinese coins 20 feet below surface, and they were older than 2000 B.C. You mean Chinese were here in America? Way back? Mm-hmm. Lots of evidence of that, folks. You're not being told. We're being lied in the textbooks. Uh, while sinking a fence at two feet deep, uh, a bronze coin was unearthed. This is in Australia in 1910. The coin was identified positively as Egyptian during the reign of Pharaoh Ptolemy IV around 200 B.C., what? The Egyptians were down in Australia? Folks, I'm telling you, they, we've been lied to. They're traversing the planet left and right, uh, and they disperse just like God said. In Australia, another coin was dug up, a bronze one that was later identified as a Greek coin, about 28 B.C. Okay, well, what were they doing down there? Uh, Roman pottery's been unearthed where? Mexico. Again, now we're dealing with the North and South America. And according to its styles, about 2nd century A.D., the Romans were still going over there. Uh, the Kensington Stone, you take a look at not just coins, but you take a look at inscriptions. This is in Minnesota, and it contains an uh, inscription uh, describing Norsemen into the interior, not just the coastline, the interior of North America. Uh, the problem is they're estimating this took place in the 1300s. Again, way, way, way before uh, Columbus. Uh, a fist-sized stone was found in Nashville, Tennessee, 1890s. Inscribed on it was Libyan symbols that were from about 100 A.D., 
What's that doing in Nashville, Tennessee area? And the inscription reads, the colonists pledged to redeem. Maybe they came over here. So something happened to them. I uh, wonder what happened to them. We're going to take a look at the uh, cultures. Man, bloody cultures, I tell you what. Near Rio de Janeiro, where's that? Again, South America. On a vertical rock 3,000 feet up, this inscription appears. Tyre, Phoenicia, Batazir, firstborn of Jeth Baal. It's dated around the middle of the 9th century B.C., Okay, this is in South America. It was found by a farmer in 1931 on his property. Okay, another one. Uh, and this is in Australia. He found a, a particular thing. And on those carvings uh, were Phoenician. And it reads this. This is cool. This is down in Australia. Uh, Men of Pharaoh of the city of Sais, Ot of Kish. Kish was an ancient Babylonian town on the Euphrates and was the birthplace of Ot, who's considered the greatest Babylon mariner of the day. So Bab- the, even back in Babylon... The people were able to get down. That's what the inscriptions say. Uh, and they, it goes on this. Near uh, Brazil, again, an inscription in Phoenician reads this. We are sons of Canaan from Sidon, the city of the king. Commerce has cast us on this distant shore, a land of mountains. We sacrifice. What? They're sacrificing people? You're going to see that big time tonight, unfortunately. They sacrificed a youth for the exalted gods and goddesses of the 19th year of Hiram, our mighty king. We embarked from Ezion Geber into the Red Sea. We voyaged with 10 ships. We were at sea together for two years around landing the belonging to Ham or Africa. But a storm uh, came up and we were no longer with our companions. So we came here, 12 men, three women on a shore, which I, the admiral control. <laughs> Got a big ego, dude, for getting them lost. Uh, but anyway, where's this happening now? Uh, across the pond, folks, okay? Pictures, you find this in uh, pictures. Uh, identified plants on frescoes, has a pineapple, uh, spe- species of squash that are both native to the Americas. Okay, uh, but that was found in Pompeii. What's that? Do? How'd they have knowledge of that when they don't grow them in that area? 1886, you got ships, Galveston Bay, Texas. The ship was typical Roman style. What was that doing in, in Texas? Australia, you got Aboriginal carvings that depict ships not of European descent, but Egyptian descent, bearing the Egyptian sun god. So again, what's that doing down there? Another Australian wreck shows a, a wooden ship similar to two others found near Perth. Again, all believed to be Egyptian. Artifacts, they found a doll made of wood and wax in a well uh, of, quote, sacrifice. We'll see that tonight. That was one of the ways that they exterminated people for a sacrifice. They chucked them in a well. This was in Chichen Itza in Mexico. It was actually there not too long ago. And on this doll was written a script in Roman. It's like, what? What's that doing there? Uh, In Australia, a 2,000-year-old Chinese stonehead was uh, depicting a Chinese goddess was found. Again, what's that doing there? 1910 in Australia, they found an Egyptian scare beetle six and a half feet below the surface. It was three and a half inches length with hieroglyphics carved all underneath. How did that get there? During the 20s in uh, North Australia, they found a Peruvian idol. Where's Peru? South America, right? So they're, they're hopping the pond. Japanese blades have been found in Alaska. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, distinctive pottery is also found even in Ecuador. So they even came down further south in South America. Uh, fossils, flip it the other way around. In 1982, guess what they found in Egypt? Kangaroo and other Australian marsupial fossils. So apparently they not only went there, but they brought some of the animals back. And they're finding the remains in Egypt. Uh, ancient Chinese book about 338 BC mentions a, quote, great southern common, co- continent inhabited by fierce black people who use a strange weapon, which we now call the boomerang. Right? How'd they know about that? Well, they probably went down there, obviously. 1974, they found this huge giant rock uh, in a building site in Australia. They were digging the foundations for a factory, and there it is. You're going to see that tonight. 
These are the calendars of the people in South America, Central America, and uh, they use them to dictate when to do their sacrifices. We'll get into that in a little bit. But it's uh, carved with hieroglyphs, uh, serpents, shocker. Uh, and of course, it was a Mesoamerican around 2000 BC. What's that doing in Australia? down on the ground 1914 uh, archaeologists excavated some Mayan ruins uh, in the city of Mexico uh, but when it was discovered the, the statuettes were clearly what Egyptians what's that doing over there in Mexico one, of the, one was male one was female complete with ancient Egyptian dress and engravings so how'd that get over there? The Olmec uh, were believed to be the first civilized people of South America around 1400 BC, yet the problem is they left behind these things. These are gigantic carvings of stone, got helmets on their head, but here's the problem. They're all uh, from a, a single piece of granite, about six feet high, more than 20 tons, but guess what they depict? Not people's faces from just South America. The Mayan, the Aztecs, the Incas, uh-uh. African features? Well, how would they know what people in Africa look like to carve their faces? And it's not just that, uh, they, they, they also have numerous, quote, white people's features, European look, and different, well, that means then you had to traverse back and forth and vice versa and be connected. And, yeah, exactly. And the question is, uh, they say this, what, what was an advanced black and even a possibly white pre-Hispanic civilization doing in the Americas and even more advanced than the Mayas and the Aztecs? Uh, yeah, Okay. No one know where they came from, where they went, or how they moved these huge giant sculptures from distant quarries, but, quote, traditional archaeology does not have the answers. You know what that means? Evolution's a lie. The evolutionary history that we've been fed is a lie, and they don't want anything to agree with the biblical account, and they just shuffle under, and they just keep, you repeat a lie loud enough, long enough, off enough, people believe it. They got control of the media, they got in control of Hollywood, they got in control of the secular school system, and they just keep pumping it out there, okay? But, if you read the Bible, which I highly recommend, you're going to see exactly where it all fits. It fits exactly with the biblical account. One guy said this, evolutionists want so much to show a steady, inevitable progression from so-called caveman to advancing man, but Bible believers understand that man has been building cities right from the start. Okay, so that's a little teaser from our Witness of Creation study. You can get a ton more fascinating material that we've already been through, but uh, if you haven't ever checked it out, do so at where? GetAlifeMedia.com, right? But I want to demonstrate that to you because you might say, well, how did they get that over there? You know, uh, how did witchcraft get over there? Okay, and that's the point that I'm bringing this up tonight. So obviously, if you got witchcraft from Babylon to Egypt and Greece and Rome and Asia, India and Africa, and then we just demonstrated archaeologically, not just biblically, that yeah, they were able to traverse back and forth. Guess what these people brought over to South America and Central America, Latin America? witchcraft and boy did they do that on a massive scale okay and we're going to start off of course with the mayans okay and uh the mayan culture uh uh we're going to actually take a look at the mayans the aztecs the incas and a little bit of modern that's all i can get into tonight i'm just going to have to hit some superficial things again this is a huge section of the planet so i can highlight it and even so i'm even going to have to unfortunately stick to pretty much the most grotesque part uh, of their behavior, uh, we got to deal with it. Uh, I don't have time. I mean, each one, I, I can do a whole study just on the Mayans, obviously. So, but I got so much to cover, okay? Uh, and so we're just going to kind of hone in on this stuff. And I think when we're done, again, when God says in the Old Testament, and I'm not for rounding up again, I'll say it again. I'm not up for rounding up people involved in witchcraft and cult and let's go kill them. I'm not into that. I'm not advocating that. Go to, if, I still believe it's going on today. You need to go just like anybody who murders anybody, go to a court of law. 
Okay, I'm going to be replete on that because people can take my words out of context and twist it, unfortunately. But I'm not saying that tonight. But I think when you see, especially even tonight, after even India and Africa, no wonder God says zero tolerance on this behavior. Don't let it spread in your mind, in your home, in your church, certainly, uh, but not in your nation. You let this stuff go, it's going to get bloody, horrible, rotten, gruesome. And then you look at the Mayans, the Aztecs, and the Incas, where are they at today? There are still some mines today. I'll get to that in a second. But their cultures basically went out of existence. You take a look at what was going on. I don't think that was a bad thing. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's do a quick comparison real quick. Uh, The Mayans, okay, where are they at? Okay, well, they're here in this area called the Yucatan uh, Peninsula, okay, in Latin America. And uh, the Aztec are going to be, we're going to see in a little bit, they're just a little bit north, okay. And then the Incas are going to be down in South America, pretty much all along the coastline there, uh, a huge kingdom. Uh, Very similar, okay? Uh, The Mayans uh, were polytheistic, the Aztecs were polytheistic, and the Incas were polytheistic. They worshiped many gods and goddesses, okay? Uh, But guess what? All three of them were. Every single one of them practiced human sacrifice because they believed that the gods and the goddesses required blood in order for life to continue. Very bloody, horrible, rotten stuff. Now, the decline, uh, eventually with all three, the Mayans, they still to this day don't officially know what caused their basically sudden demise, although there's about two million descendants of the Mayan culture in existence today, so did they really go away? Not really, but as far as their culture, it's gone, they really don't know. The Aztec were defeated by the Spanish conquistadors, Cortez, uh, if you recall your history class, and then the Incas, uh, that would be uh, Pizarro, and then smallpox kind of finished them off. And, uh, but again, I'm telling you, when you see what was going on tonight, was it really a bad thing? Now, again, I'm not for advocating murder and all that stuff, okay? But when you take a look at what was going on, maybe God very well used the Spanish conquistadors as an act of judgment to put a stop to this horrible, rotten, murderous, gruesome behavior. And again, we haven't even got to it. Okay. Now, what's funny, you talk about the Mayans. Uh, we got a little shot here. My daughter and I, Rebecca, posing in front of one of the Mayan ruins. We were there not too long ago. Fun trip. And for some strange reason, they don't tell you, hey, come on down to this temple. Watch how the hundreds of thousands of people we hear we murdered and slaughtered to death. No, not really good for tourism. So they usually typically focus on, hey, we make this really grubbing chocolate, man. You got to try this chocolate. It's all about chocolate down there, right? And so, but it's kind of weird because you're standing in front of this thing that, frankly, as we're going to see tonight, was one of the sickest, gruesome areas ever. Okay, and it's wild. Again, the, the Mayan Empire, they reached their peak about 6th century AD. They excelled in agriculture, pottery, hieroglyph writing. Gee, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder where the Mayans, let's go back to that. What, is, what just happens to be the shape of that? Wonder where they got that knowledge. Exactly, it all came back from Babylon where it started and began to spread. And again, another proof that the continents were interconnected agrees with the biblical account. But all these Aztecs and Incas all had the same kind of ziggurats type style. And again, that just shows you the common thread there. Uh, but they were excelled in uh, hieroglyph writing, where, gee, where they get that calendar making, mathematics, architecture, and guess what? Witchcraft and the occult, unfortunately. The Maya believed that in a, uh, the supernatural realm was inhabited by all kinds of so-called powerful deities, uh, but you had to placate them with not only ceremonial rituals, uh, but specifically with human sacrifice. On a scale, it's just sick. 
at the core of the Mayan religious practice, uh, they worship de- their deceased uh, ancestors, okay? Uh, and they believe that their deceased ancestors were going to protect them and help them. So they believe they can communicate with them and all that stuff, which is necromancy, which God obviously forbids. Uh, but they also uh, would uh, use uh, to communicate with their dead ancestors, shamans, witch doctors. So again, it's, you're back to witchcraft, the occult, and things of that nature. And also in order to communicate with them, guess what they use? This is the Mayan culture. Hallucinogens. Now is drugs big in the, the occult today? Witchcraft and all this stuff? Yes, it is. And we haven't even got there yet. Uh, nothing new under the sun. Drugs are one of the fastest ways of getting people into an altered state of consciousness for demons to possess them and take over and speak through them and all that stuff. Of course, they don't call them that. They call them spirits and all these other things. That's what's going on, right? And what they would do is they would use basically the consumption of water lilies, which apparently in high doses will cause hallucinations. American Indians did the same thing, right? Peyote, mescaline, they would do the same thing. The shamans, the witch doctors would get what? They'd take drugs, go sit uh, you know, out there until they'd have visions. And that was supposed to lead the people, right? So same thing going on. Uh, Maya actually, listen, they buried their dead underneath their floors. So you're literally walking on grandma and grandpa, right? And they believe that grandma and grandpa uh, is uh, you know, gonna protect you, right? How many guys, when you're growing up, you're walking to school and you, you got this sidewalk on the squares and you sing that song, you know, don't step on a crack, you break, break your mama's back. Remember that thing? I don't know. I'm, they, what are they going to do? They're stuck, right? Don't go in the house. You're going to step on grandpa's head. I don't know. But it's just crazy stuff. But they, they literally, can you imagine burying your deceased relatives under your floor? But that's, that was a part of their belief system as well. Uh, they also uh, would have a home shrine. Remember that was even going on way back even in Rome. Right? They have shrines in the home, of course, uh, of a, a deceased relatives. And, uh, but uh, pretty much everybody had a shrine. Uh, but when it came to the royalty, okay, the royalty initially started with their own shrines. But then the royalty said, ah, that's not good enough for us. And that's when they started building these things. And that was basically a shrine for the royalty so that they got to use and stuff. You know, because the average Joe, you and I just got, you know, just a little thing in the house. Right? But again, who also did that in the past? Egypt did the same thing. I wonder where they got the idea. Shocker, you're starting to see it all blend together because it's all come from the same source. Again, they had different deities. There was, they had a, a creator god, a sun god, storm gods that controlled lightning, thunder, rains. This is the Mayan culture. They had the underworld gods uh, and they had the, the moon goddess, the maze god. They had uh, uh, Maya worship the feathered serpent deities. There's the serpent again, serpent worship. I, I wonder who's feeding them all these lying, murderous practices. Yeah, it rhymes for Satan, for those of you wondering, okay? And uh, you're gonna see that in all these cultures as well. Now, again, I gotta cut to the chase. I can't get into micromanage all their evil, rotten practices, so we're gonna hit, frankly, unfortunately, the most gruesome. And it's not just most gruesome, it was their biggest one. This is what they did all the time, and I'm not kidding, all the time. Uh, And why would they do this, human sacrifice? Uh, Because they believe that blood was the nourishment that the deities needed. Right, so you had to keep feeding the deities blood. Uh, they would also do it at certain times for a dedication of a, a, a building project. Uh, when they installed a new ruler, you got to go uh, kill more people. Uh, the sacrifice of human life was the ultimate offering, uh, and it was the most important uh, ritual that they were involved in. Now, what would they do to these people? And again, this is just some of their artwork, and that's some of the tame stuff. Okay, uh, but th- what would they do? First of all, they would do heart extraction. And heart extraction, they would do this when somebody was still alive. 
jam it in their chest. I'm going to show you a little bit of a video depicting this. It's uh, maybe a little risque, but I mean, it doesn't show everything. But they jam it while the person's still alive. Then they cut their head off. It's like, why wouldn't you cut? I mean, first of all, you shouldn't be doing this, but wow. So, so they, would, they would take the heart out while the person's alive. It's called heart extraction. They would decapitate them. Sometimes they would also, in these human sacrifices, shoot them ritually with arrows, or they would throw them into a deep sinkhole. In fact, they find evidence, mass graves of people just being chucked, uh, to being sacrificed. Uh, they would also tie the people into a ball. I'll get to that in a second. They would disembowel them, okay? Uh, but typically, they would rip their heart out first, right? Okay, uh, this usually took place in the courtyard, the temple, uh, or upon the summit of the pyramid uh, that you would see. Uh, in one ritual, this is gross, the corpse would be skinned by the priests except for the hands and feet. Then the officiating priest would then dress himself in the skin of the sacrificial victim and perform a ritual dance. That's sick. Why did God say, don't let this stuff permeate your nation? telling you i'm not advocating for killing but this was sick okay and again i think a lot of this stuff still goes on today we don't want to deal with it okay because we're allowing it to spread but here's a little bit of a depiction of what went on with the mayan human sacrifice let's take a look the discovery of the bonapoc murals in 1949 shocked archaeologists and shattered this preconceived perception of the maya as peaceful people these colorful murals provided a rare view of the gruesome daily life of the maya revealing courtly life, war, and ceremonies. Archaeologists soon realized that for all of their heavenly concerns, the Maya engaged in the earthly tradition of warfare, torture, human sacrifice, and bloodletting. God saw fit to say, nah, you're not going to continue as a nation anymore. 
And folks, that's completely tame. Now, you notice the one guy, also what? Just standing there, what was he doing? Bloodletting. He was cutting himself. Uh, you still see that in the occult today. Now, why would they do that? Because again, you don't need to have just this uh, public uh, offering of human sacrifice, blood to feed the gods and all this stuff. Uh, you can get involved in it too, individually. We can all do it, right? Uh, of course, the, unfortunately, the people would be murdered for that. Uh, you wouldn't have to necessarily kill yourself, uh, but you could shed your own blood for the offering. It's called bloodletting. Okay, and what they would do is uh, they would do this individually. The blood was offered to the gods, the deities, by what was called auto-sacrificial bloodletting. And they would use different uh, types of weapons or things to do that, tools. They would bones, awls, needles, obsidian blades. You saw the guy doing the knife, right, thorns. And they would do it in various places in the body. Uh, they would get the blood from the ears, so they cut their ears, the cheeks, the lips, the nostrils, the tongue, the arms and the legs. In fact, I saw some of the, their murals and stuff. There's people just, it's just a bloody mess. Uh, and it's just, they're going, uh, it's just, they're cutting, it's just gross. Uh, but that's what they believed that they had to do to appease the gods. Because that's what they fed on was blood. Sick, sick, sick. Okay, but again, they did it with their tongues, arms, legs, genitalia. And then once they would they start bleeding, they would catch that in a bark paper or cotton or animals uh, feathers and then they would burn them as, as an offering to the gods. So everybody got in on this. It wasn't just the high priest and these public displays when they had a new king and or they wanted a good crop or they were going to war or an installment of somebody different or a building project. Everybody can get in on this. Uh, of course, not only a, uh, humans, but they did animals uh, and they did some, they, they would disembowel people. It was, just, it was just sick. In fact, watch this. At times, sacrifices, and I'm talking human sacrifices, were tightly bound into a ball and then they would have like a ball game. This is sick, right? And uh, people or animals, whatever. Uh, but speaking of ball game, that might be another thing. Uh, they did mention this. I remember when we were down there and it was like, oh, okay, phew. That's kind of creepy, this human sacrifice. I mean, they didn't really talk about it. It's chocolate, chocolate, get your chocolate, chocolate, you know. And <laughs> but it's like, well, hey, these guys, they, this is cool. They did something right. They invented soccer or football or whatever. These so-called ball games were just as bloody. It was all about human sacrifice. They certainly didn't tell you this on the tour. I can vouch for that. But these ball courts, okay, you can see a picture there. Okay, that's them doing bloodletting. See that guy cutting his tongue and cutting the ear, and they're, they see their legs and arms and everything. They're just cutting their cells. It's, it's sick. Uh, and that's just a common practice. They thought they were feeding the gods. But here's the ball court. They put a lot into this. I mean, that's, that's very competitive to the Raiders Stadium that's going here in Vegas. I mean, that's just some serious technology. And you think, well, again, it's sports. At least they, got, they didn't get it right. Watch this. These things, they found these things as early as 1000 B.C., right? And you're thinking, okay, well, what was it? Well, this one that you can see here, this is called the Great Ball Court of uh, Chichen Itza. It's the largest one that they found. They're all over the place down there. 272 feet long, 98 feet wide. Walls are 27 feet high. And, and again, unfortunately, even their so-called ball games were around sacrificing humans to appease the gods. It's gross. Watch this. For the Maya... The sky was not the only otherworldly domain. And the gods of the sky were not the only ones that had to be appeased. Beneath the earth, there lay another vast realm, a supernatural underworld where the spirits of the dead roamed. The Maya believe this place of death exists side by side with the land of the living. The underworld 
could be reached in the most unlikely of places. This huge open court in Chichen Itza looks almost like a marketplace, but no buying or selling went on here. It was the setting for an ancient Mayan ball game, a game far deadlier than any modern sport. Measuring 550 by 230 feet, the court is over twice the size of a modern American football field. Here, two teams faced off, with players aiming to hit the ball through hoops high on the walls. They play for the highest possible stakes, because the losing team faces being sacrificed to the gods. The winners kill the losers and cut off their heads. Wall reliefs show the victors holding a loser's severed head. Can't even get that right. Their whole culture is permeated with murdering people by the scores to feed the dogs. It even made it in their way of entertainment. It's absolutely gross. And you think, well, well, why did the Spanish come and take them out? You know, eventually, and things of that nature. And Well, let's just real quickly give you some encounters uh, uh, historically. Uh, the Spanish conquest typically dates from about 1511 to 1697. And right out of the gates, man, well, listen to what these, every time anybody encountered these people, watch what they were doing. Shocker. In 1511, the Spanish set sail along the Central American coast. Uh, one ship was wrecked upon a reef. There was 20 survivors. Uh, they were seized by the Mayans. The captain was sacrificed with four of his companions, and they served their flesh at a feast. So they're cannibals as well. Uh, welcome to Central America, right? Uh, other prisoners that survived, uh, but they were fattened, and then they killed him later. And I think there's only two guys that made it out of that one. 1529, uh, they again encountered the Mayans and uh, captives were taken again and they were sacrificed. 1555, again they came and uh, they were sacrificed. They sacrificed by cutting open up the chest, extracting the heart. Then of course came decapitation. They carried off the head as a trophy. Then in the 1620s, another Spanish party comes. Guess what happened? They sacrificed them, cut their hearts out. Uh, then they were decapitated. Their heads were displayed on stakes around the city, and then they were dismembered. Uh, then a Spanish party came in 1624. Guess what happened to those guys? They were slaughtered by the mines, sacrificed using heart extraction. 1684, uh, again, here comes some more. Guess what happened? Heart sacrifice. They did the same thing. 1696, uh, they came, and they bound the Spanish people in the form of crosses and then cut their hearts out. And then a month later, another Spanish expedition came and they cut their hearts out. Now again, I'm not for rounding up people involved in the cult and whatever, but uh, how come they don't share this kind of stuff that's going on? You wonder why the Spanish reacted the way they did. Man, we tried to work with you, but every single time, 100% of the time, you didn't just kill people, you killed them in a gruesome way because you thought we could be blood for the gods and that's enough of this stuff. And could it very well be that God used them as an act of judgment to put this to a, an end? Kind of think so. Okay, but why would they do this? Because they're big on their calendar. Now, how many guys remember when the mind calendar, the 2012 thing came? Remember that? I was blown away how many Christians got sucked up into that. Said, are you kidding me? You're gonna, listen, you're gonna listen to these people who are on drugs doing human sacrifice over the word of God? Hello, do your research. It blew me away. And of course, you can see there's some people saying, maybe it's really 2020, they got it wrong. Yeah, you got it wrong, listen to these people. But what most people don't get it is the mind calendar. You know, they say, they were genius mathematicians. They were just really into astronomy. What a peaceful, incredible culture. Excuse me? Okay, and what you're gonna see is, yeah, they might have known some mathematics and astronomy, 
but the big thing about this calendar was not to quote necessarily predict the end of the world, okay, which by the way, if you're so good at it, you didn't even predict your own demise, okay, uh, but anyway, it really was a calendar based on when do we do the next human sacrifice, you hear all kinds of specials about this calendar. The Mayan calendar, they can predict the future. Was it the end of the world? What about the dates? Ah, no, this thing is an occult calendar to kill people, just like the occult uses today. They still run by a calendar, even in the United States of America, when to do their dirty deeds. And eventually, Lord willing, we'll get into that. But the Mayans, again, that's what they use this calendar for. Uh, and not just uh, human sacrifice, but child sacrifice. Uh, Mayan art depicts children's hearts also being ripped out at various times or quote at the beginning of the Maya calendar that calendar told you you need to go kill some kids rip their hearts out this is sick okay and they find that on on different kinds of artworks in 2005 a mass grave of a one to two year old sacrificed children was found in the Mayan region Uh, another excavation turned up remains of an infant infant sacrifices Uh, in fact the sacrifices they found were not just done on the temples and in these public squares and areas they were even done in as private ceremonies sick and again you wonder why they went out of existence but that's just then we got to quickly move on to the Aztecs and uh, I mean, if you watch the movies, you know, these people were just nature loving and it was just so horrible that the Spanish came over and took it out. And, and <sighs> what you're about to see, if you thought that the mines were bad and bloody and gross and gruesome, these guys took it to a whole new level, the Aztec culture. And of course, where are they at? Well, let's take a look right down. You can see down south, you can see Mayan. That's the Mayan culture. So this is a little bit to the north and central uh, America there, Latin America, and that was their Aztec Empire. This is about 1300-1521 was their zenith, and guess what they followed? Same thing, a calendar that told them when to do their dirty deeds, and of course their dirty deeds involved what? Human sacrifice on a massive scale, okay, and food, they, they told them when to offer the food, the animals, and the human victims, okay? Uh, in fact, they were guilty of, again, not just, that's, that's a tame picture, believe you me, uh, that not just human sacrifice, but cannibalism as well, okay? So they would eat their victims and not just kill them. Uh, and again, they believed that they had to do this because this is what perpetuated life, creation, uh, and that humans had the responsibility of, quote, sacrificing humans in order for life to continue. Also, they believed they had to sacrifice humans and spill their blood and give blood in order for the sun to continue, and things of that nature. So if you don't want the lights to go out, you gotta start killing people, sick as that is, right? Uh, And so they would do this in a multitude of different ways, and again, uh, uh, they would do the bloodletting, all that stuff. So it's a bloody, gruesome, horrible mess. But again, they were also known for acts of cannibalism, and again, that's a very tame depiction of what I could have shared. Uh, But basically, of course, then they would take them and eat them, and that was part of the the ritual. Now listen to this quote. This is absolutely unbelievable, but this is an actual... Uh, quote from documentation while human sacrifice was practiced throughout the Mesoamerica area that we're dealing with the Aztecs brought this practice to quote an unprecedented level for example for the recognition of the great pyramid well there it is again where they get the idea of pyramids for the great recognition the reconsecration of the great pyramid of Tenochtitlan, whatever you pronounce that in 1487 the Aztecs reported this is from them that they sacrificed 80,400 prisoners over the course of four days. I did the math. That's 837.5 people per hour that you're murdering nonstop for four days. 
and you wonder why God saw fit, you know what? This culture's done. I'm gonna bring some judgment. This is gross, okay? In fact, they're saying, oh, that's, that's an inflated number. They didn't really kill that many people and that kind of crazy. They would not only kill the people, they would use their skulls as foundations by the thousands. In fact, they recently discovered that this is really true. They thought, well, that's just, that's inflated. That's a myth. Mm-mm. They found the remains of just one of these areas. Watch this. This is nuts. Conquistadors once wrote of an enormous rack of skulls called Zompantli in the 16th century Aztec city of Tenochtitlan. A row of vertical posts connected by crossbeams, threaded with human skulls, flanked on each side by towers of skulls and mortar. The Mexica, the founders of Tenochtitlan, and one cultural group that comprised the Aztecs, thought human sacrifices would feed the gods and ensure the continued existence of the world. For the conquistadors, the skulls evinced the Mexica's barbarism and justified their conquest of the city in 1521. They tore down the Templo Mayor and the Zompantli in front of it, paving over the ruins and building what would become Mexico City. As the centuries passed, historians began to wonder if the Zompantli had ever existed at all. In 2015, researchers discovered a site that would remove any doubts about the Zompantli's existence when they excavated the remains of the rack and one of the towers underneath a colonial period house on the street just north of Mexico City's cathedral. The team dug about 20 test pits, unearthing modern debris, colonial porcelain, and finally, the basalt slabs of a Mexica period floor. As they dug, hundreds of skull fragments began to appear, but they weren't sure that's what they were seeing until they found the post holes. The size and spacing of the holes allowed them to estimate the Zumbantli's size. It turned out to be an incredibly imposing rectangular structure, 35 meters long, about 14 meters wide, and an estimated four to five meters tall. They also discovered one of the towers made of skulls and mortar. Over two seasons of excavations, archaeologists carefully collected a sample of 180 skulls from the tower, as well as thousands of skull fragments, hoping to learn more about Mexica rituals and the post-mortem treatment of the bodies. Human sacrifice and even zompantlis were relatively common in many Mesoamerican cultures. Cut marks on the skulls leave no doubt they were defleshed after death and the decapitation technique seemed quite clean and uniform. In earlier studies, analysis of the teeth and bones of skulls unearthed in Templo Mayor suggested that most of the victims were born in various regions of Mesoamerica, but that many had spent significant time in Tenochtitlan before their deaths. Some historical accounts record cases of captive warriors living with the families of their captors for months or years before they were sacrificed. Studying these skulls in such intimate detail helps to tell not only the individual story of each victim offered up to the gods, but also that of the Aztec communities themselves. And how bloody and gruesome. Can you imagine that? How many people were... You not just killed the people. 80,404 days. But then you use their skulls and use that as foundation. This is sick. And you wonder why God saw fit. Aztec culture... Your days are numbered. That's enough. Because he sees it all. He sees what's going on on this planet. Right? So let's take a look real quick at the Inca Empire. Right? You think of Inca. Oh, uh, the Inca Empire, the Machu Picchu, and uh, this is a peaceful love. 
No, not at all. Okay. Oh, by the way, I had to add this. Uh, look at that. So you got Inca and pre-Inca, and then he, I wonder where they got that idea from. It's almost like the biblical account they traverse back and forth. Eh, go figure. We've been lied to in school. Okay. But the Inca Empire, where's that? So now we saw the Aztecs there in the red. You got the Mayas in the purple, whatever that is. And then that's supposed to be blue, and the Incas right down there, right? So all of Latin America is covered with this stuff. And guess what they did? human sacrifice on a massive scale. Now, what's interesting is uh, the Inca Empire, they had an administrative, political, and military center of their empire and was in a city called Cusco. Now, why does that sound familiar? Well, shocker, if you know anything about Disney, that was the main character in the Emperor's New Groove, Cusco. And uh, and again, you're going to see major horrible rotten behavior with this, including the occult. Notice one of the characters is involved in the occult, which, and things that nature. Uh, but this was a bloody, horrible human sacrifice culture as well. And I'm going like, man. So did, what, I'm seeing a pattern here. I say, can't you come up with a different storyline? It seems like Disney, you spend your time going around to these different cultures and find these different cultures, and there's a common thread. They're always involved in what? The witchcraft, including the Incas. And they built this whole cartoon off of it, okay? Uh, with the llama there, okay? And Kronk, that's where Kronk got his career started, okay? In case you're wondering, right? But what was their religion? They believed in reincarnation. And, uh, but again, they worshiped, they were polytheistic, many different gods, which you had to appease by guess what? Human sacrifice. And they did that on a massive scale as well. As many as 4,000 servants, court officials, favors, concubines were killed just upon the death of one of their rulers so again four thousand and just one event that's a lot of people man okay so these guys you think oh they're just peaceful mountain people in south america not even close just like all the other ones uh they also perform child sacrifices around the death of rulers or during a famine ah, i gotta go kill some kids right this is sick why does god say do not let this stuff permeate in your country i'll say it again folks is it starting to be a little bit more clear and thinking, wow, that Old Testament, God was so harsh. And again, I'm not saying let's do that today and round them up. I'm not saying that. But I think it opened your eyes to why he has zero tolerance with this behavior. Don't let it uh, uh, spread. Uh, they had uh, all kinds of different gods that they worshiped for all different kinds of things, including a uh, goddess in the shape of a snake with two heads. Shocker, there's the snake again. They also had another uh, god that was a water god that was also a snake. So, gee, I wonder who's giving them these ideas, okay, uh, as you can see. Uh, in fact, uh, archaeologists uncover a lot of specifically child sacrifice in the Inca culture. Uh, they find uh, teenagers in mass uh, in, in graves. Uh, in 1995, they found the bones of just 42 uh, male teenagers. Uh, and again, but the, quote, Inca practice of human sacrifice was mainly using children, Okay. And, uh, and basically the reason why is because they took it to the next level and they thought that children were considered to be, quote, the purest of beings, so that's the best blood you can offer to the gods. That's sick, right? Again, uh, in fact, sometime, quote, months before the sacrifice, the children were fattened up. This is gross. I'll say it again. Why does God say, don't let this permeate your culture? witchcraft and occult practices i'm telling you folks if if we're still alive and still here and if we still promote in our own country witchcraft and occult practices like is happening i'm telling you and i still think we're already there with a lot of this horrible murderous behavior going on there's just the media refuses to ever talk about it uh but uh, let me show you another thing right one thing that you get involved when you talk about peru and the incas you talk oh the mummies 
the mummies they find are perfectly, and that's actually a picture of one. This is a girl, a young girl. And you're going, wow, it's because it's so high elevated up there, right? But it's also very dry up there. Very, very, very cold and very, very dry. And so the, the bodies, you go, oh, wow, look, these people just went up there and, and died. And it's amazing for archaeological purposes that we can find their bodies in such great shape that we can study their culture and their hair and take DNA samples and find out what their diet was. These mummies are people that were killed as human sacrifices. That's not what they're, they don't tell you that. Let me give you an example, right? Uh, this, what you see in 1995 was the body of an almost entirely frozen Inca girl, age 15, was discovered on Mount Ampato. Two more ice-preserved mummies, one girl age six and one boy age eight were also found, okay? And basically what they would do is they would take them up to the highest point. They would strangle them to death. They would hit them on the head to kill them or they would leave them in the extreme cold and they would die of exposure and that was their way of sacrificing them to the gods. So when you see these mummies, you're seeing people that were sacrificed, human sacrifices for that. Uh, and in fact, I don't have time to get in this because we're probably gonna get into this, Lord willing, in another study. Uh, Lord willing, for still alive and still here, after this study, we're dealing with Satanism, and then we're gonna deal with a hodgepodge of different practices, voodoo, vampirism, shamanism. When we get to that, we're probably gonna revisit North America. So do you think, so far we saw the map, South America, Central America, do you think it ever made it our way up to North America? Yes, it did. We're also being lied to. Hollywood, even Disney, wants to portray the North American Indian culture as just as peace love. I mean, haven't you watched the other Disney movie, uh, Pocahontas? I mean, Pocahontas? It was a total lie, right? But how they depict them? They're just in tune with nature. They're so peace loving and these horrible Europeans came over and they just ruined it all. No. Guess what they were also involved in? human sacrifice. I'll just give you a little teaser. We're going to close out. Uh, this is the Dixon Mounds. This is actually uh, outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, but a lot of these mounds, you sign the serp- serpent mounds throughout the United States that you find and stuff. Uh, a lot of things that were going on here, guess what? Was human sacrifices. Uh, in fact, I grew up in Nebraska and one of the things we did in elementary schools, we had to study the different Indian tribes up there. One of them was the Pawnee I remember saying about the Pawnee and the Sioux and, and all those different ones. But the Pawnee practice a ceremony, I'll just give you a little teaser, that uh, is called the Morning Star Ceremony, which of course included the sacrifice of a young girl. So human sacrifice just continued on up to North America. And again, I'm not for killing people, whatever, but when even the colonists came over to America, is that really what they discovered? Was just people in tune with nature and it was always 100% of the time just wonderful? Or did they encounter some of these brutal practices as well? Another side of the story we're not being told. But witchcraft is going on today in America, uh, or in Latin America. It's just going by a different name. It's called Brugeria. Okay, and this is being popularized today in America by the music industry. Okay, but a male practitioner in Latin America of uh, basically a male witch is a brujo, a female is a bruja, and a brujeria is a mixture of, guess what? Witchcraft, the occult, African witchcraft, and here it is. I actually get to write on the board. I can't believe it. Catholicism, just like we saw last week with Africa. Hey, who cares? You know, if you go to the, the voodoo place next door and the, the snake worship, uh, just as long as you go to mass. Remember that? 
Same thing that you see what's going on in Latin America. The practice of brujeria, which again is just the Spanish for witchcraft, uh, involves charm spells, curses, hexes, divination, and a quote, this is a secular article, a blend of witchcraft, traditional herbalism, which witchcraft, doctors, shamanism, and Catholicism. It's all kind of blended together. You see these people involved in witchcraft, they wear what? A lot of Catholic paraphernalia, even the cross, which is sick, right? Uh, but it's a blend, and it's still going on today. Now, you saw the remains of that one, of that foundation, was what city? Mexico City, right? And they built Mexico City over a lot of that stuff, okay? Well, that kind of horrible, rotten behavior, shocker, is still going on today. Let's take a look at that. Mexico City, home to 20 million people, most of them Catholics. But for many Mexicans, the allure of magic is irresistible. Believers find the tools of witchcraft at the Sonora Witches Market. This is a this is a Afro-Caribbean. Anthropologist Anthony Zavaleta has studied the market for 25 years. In every cranny of this maze, brujas, or witch doctors, peddle their cures. It's a market for even the most gruesome wares. Along with goods, the market provides services. In back rooms behind the stalls, nearly anything is possible. Spells can be cast or lifted. Customers can have their spirits cleansed or engage in satanic rites. It's all here. Curses fly, powered by wing of bat and tongue of pig. Witches bind hexes in black ribbon, ready for burial in a human grave. Curses like these are all too familiar to Dr. Zavaleta. As part of his research, Zavaleta has been studying with Alberto Salinas, a healer who's come all the way from Texas Alberto is here to restock his hex-fighting kit. What we found and what we saw that day was just unbelievable. In 30 years of research, uh, field research, uh, into brujería and curanderismo, and I had never encountered anything like that and probably never will again. They came to a site where black magic was rumored to take place. The healers had come upon nearly a hundred objects, buried as part of a hexing ritual. Look at that. That's unbelievable. Hold, hold it up for me. This is casting a spell over someone. This is got the garlic that somebody used to clean themselves. They put the, some a belonging of the person that they want to cast a spell over. This is, this is all. Most of it is black magic, though. Just the, the, the sense and the feeling uh, that I had of the, the, the people, uh, men, women, children, who were captured, uh, so to speak, in those objects that are intended to, dis- to, to break up marriages or break up relationships or to bring people together or, or more nefariously to kill people and end people's lives. Uh, that was a horrible thing. Still going on to this day over the bones of people that were sacrificed to mass. It's nuts. 
I, you know, I, I'm not going to say that's the Lord, but it does make me wonder if you know anything about uh, Mexico on down south. A lot of those countries are what? They just for year after year after year after year, they just don't seem to prosper. Lots of murder, lots of crime, lots of corruption. As a nation, they just can't seem to thrive. I wonder why. Interesting. But again, this is being promoted Brugeria today in music. I don't have time to go into that. Uh, also, uh, uh, Disney, speaking of Disney, didn't they just come out with yet another cartoon? Uh, what was it Coco? I don't think I've ever seen that, but Coco, what was that about the Day of the Dead? You know, things of that nature. It's like, man, come on, man. You just dance around to different cultures. That's all you, you come up with something. Whatever happened to just Sea Spot Run about a happy story about a dog and a cat or something? Why can't you get back to that? Well, you know, anyway, uh, but I, I got to share this with you again because it shows you the root of feminism. This Brugeria. This Spanish witchcraft is being promoted in the United States of America today, not only in the music industry and the media, but through feminism. And that's an actual photograph. You know why? Because Latin American and African ancestry, uh, a lot of millennials, are going back to their roots, i.e. occult roots, Brugeria, because modern Brugeria witchcraft is a, quote, unique source of power for women living in a male-dominated society. And again, I'll say it again. Much of the charismatic church, what do they promote? You come with us. I mean, we'll, w- women have power. It's all about power. You come and get the power of the Spirit. And you can do these miracles of power. In fact, we'll, we'll put women where biblically they shouldn't be. We'll have female pastors and we'll have female apostles and prophets and stuff. And so, you're, again, you're seducing people into whatever happened to following Jesus Christ. And being a disciple of him and submitting to his word. Since when did it become about you and power? Well, that's what feminism, that's the spiritual root of feminism about female domination and power. Again, I don't have time to get into this, but real quick and we're going to close. Uh, have you heard of Santeria? Santeria? Okay, that means the worship of saints. And that's another occult practice. And so guess what do you think that's a blend of? The occult and Catholicism again and Lord one another study we'll get into that but that's right we're going to go hop back over to the pond and we're finally there Lord willing next time we're still alive and still here we're finally going to make it we made it all the way around the horn now we're back to Europe we're going to begin a study in the European witchcraft because out of that you're finally going to get into the history of Wicca as we've taken this journey as you can see there's nothing new under the sun it's just old-fashioned witchcraft that's been permeating the planet ever since the Tower of Babel. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God out of love gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us 
to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something. Right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven. Right. And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court. The gavel's been passed. The judges said, Hey, listen, we all know you're guilty. Uh, you even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. 
Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.